Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by Seeking for Friday, January 15th. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, joined by my co-host, John DeShazer. And on today's show, we have three fantastic guests. We will have uh, the national anthem singers for Sunday's game, Anders Osborne and Stanton Moore. But first up, we have CST's very own Mike Neighbors. Mike, welcome on the show. Great to be on with both of you. How are you doing? Doing pretty great. Uh, we know it is Drew Brees 42nd birthday today. Happy birthday to Drew Brees himself. So of course, the first question of the day, I have to open it up to two people who have been around Drew Brees for a long time. Mike, you do an interview with him uh, after the game. So I need your on field favorite memory of Drew Brees and maybe off field favorite memory of Drew Brees, if you have one. I know I'm putting you on the spot. So uh, anything you can come up with. You know, off the cuff, I go back to 2009 and the Miami game, which was so pivotal in that Super Bowl season. And right before the half, when they were down and he scored and he spiked the ball, which was so unlike Drew, you know, he, he celebrates, but it was almost a statement that we're going to come back and win this game. And off the field, there's so many memories of Drew Brees. I've been fortunate to do interviews with him after so many games, but I think when he broke the all-time passing yardage record, and his three sons were patiently waiting behind the camera. And you can tell they're trying to be good for dad. And I just had to bail out Breeze and say, let's bring your sons in here. And they, they were so excited. And I know that's a big part of Breeze is he wanted to play long enough so his sons could appreciate his career, and, and he's been able to do that. You know, if I went on the field, I would say the confetti after the Super Bowl. I thought that was not necessarily in a game, but it was on the field, so you said on the field. <laughs> But Fetty with him holding his son, I thought was, you know, one of the best pictures I will ever see. And, and, and off the field, if we want to if we want to stay with the sun theme, because this stands out to me, too. The Pro Bowl uh, a couple of years ago, when his boys were roughhousing on the sideline was the funniest thing in the world. Now, and, and Drew was kind of like, you know, you can do all that. Just stay off the field. Pretty much. He didn't mind them like wrestling and fighting and you know, tackling each other. He just didn't want them to do it on the field because they spilled out across the lines onto the actual field a couple of times. So that was his only stipulation. Don't do it on the field. But his boys were going at it. It was the hardest hit uh, on on that day because nobody hits in the Pro Bowl anyway. So that was the hardest hitting in, the, in on that day. Absolutely. I love the Breeze boys and I love uh, Balin always dancing and showing off why he's the swaggy one in the family, according to Drew Breeze. That is probably my favorite quote from Drew Breeze, calling his son swaggy. Um, so let's get into a little Saints versus Buccaneers talk. Obviously, Mike, you cover uh, both teams. You know them both well. We know the history of both of these teams and obviously the long history of the two oldest men to ever play football, <laughs> according to Morgan Freeman, Drew Breeze, and Tom Brady. First of all, Mike, your just general feelings going into this weekend for the Saints in terms of the quarterbacks I just think you savor this because I hate to use the word never in sports but we may never see this again not only two quarterbacks this old competing in the playoffs future Hall of Famers they're so close in terms of the record book in so many ways and I know living in Tampa <clears throat> it's amazing the Bucks had their first playoff win last week since they won the Super Bowl in 2002, I mean, think about that. I mean, Drew Brees and Tom Brady were barely in the league back then. So it's amazing. And, and you know, I think the excitement with the Bucks franchise is, yeah, there are some holes on defense. 
The offensive line is suspect, but they feel they have a chance with Tom Brady. Having Tom Brady, they feel, even though the Saints blew him out uh, back a few months ago in Raymond James Stadium, they feel like they have a chance. And that's a different mindset for this franchise because we've seen so many different coaches and so many different quarterbacks. But I go back to this. Some teams just match up well against others. And I think the Saints team matches up well against the Bucs. And I really point to this. I mean, think about early in the season when we were thinking, what's wrong with the Saints defense? We know they're better than this. And they proved that they're better. Now they're proving they're the best in the NFL. They were losing to Las Vegas. They should have lost to the Chargers. I mean, they lost to the Green Bay Packers. But they still beat the Bucs. They still beat the Bucs when the defense wasn't rolling. And then they really beat the Bucs when the defense improved. So I think however you slice it, this Saints team matches up well against the Bucs. So, Mike, slip on your Bruce Arians cap. What does Tampa do different in this one that they didn't do the first two times? I think what they really point to, and I know the media is real big on this, and the players obviously are going to keep things under wraps, is in terms of how they defend the Saints offense, more press coverage and less zone. I mean, playing zone, Drew Brees picked them apart, as we saw in Tampa. That game was over early, and that game could have been worse. I mean, they scored 38 points. They could have scored over 50, I think, in that game. They really let their foot off the gas in the second half, and Bruce Arians goes for a field goal. Really, I mean, Tom Brady was so frustrated in that game. He's just throwing the ball up, and Malcolm Jenkins is picking it. I think the way they cover the Saints wide receivers will be more aggressive. That's consensus here in Tampa and how they feel. Now, here's the question with that. How does that work out with probably a fully healthy Michael Thomas now? Now, I know they did, you know, did a great job against him in the season opener. Saints still won that one, but they did a great job against him in the season opener. And since then, that was the game he got injured. He hadn't really been himself until probably now. Uh, so how does, you know, how does that factor into it? Because, you know, Michael Thomas, he sees man to man and his eyes kind of light up. That's right. Yeah, I agree with that. And you know, what's amazing is you hear that stat before the Bears game that uh, Drew Brees and Michael Thomas only had 10 quarters together. Well, eight of them are against the Bucs. But as you yes. mentioned, as you mentioned, though, a lot of those quarters, you know, he wasn't fully healthy at the end of the first matchup. And in the second matchup, he's just kind of getting his legs under him. Yeah, I think they maybe it's a hybrid of zone and man-to-man because, you know, Bruce Arians made it a point to single out Deontay Harris and really say, you know, he's the guy we're really worried about. And a lot of my friends here in Tampa are saying, who is this guy? We just thought he was a return <laughs> guy. They didn't know he actually caught passes. Mm-hmm. What I want to see, though, is I want to see Emmanuel Sanders and Deontay Harris and Michael Thomas. I mean, that's something, especially Sanders and Thomas, we were excited about that before the year. Michael Thomas finally has help. But this season, as we've seen, if Thomas is hurt, Sanders is shining. You know, Sanders went on the COVID protocol and Thomas was out. It was back and forth. If both of those guys can contribute, along with Harris, Kamara, you know, Jared Cook, the possibilities are endless for this offense. Mike, you talked about the, the offensive line a little bit earlier. Right guard Alex Kappa getting injured in that game, uh, fracturing his ankle. We know about the Saints offensive line and their ability to kind of plug and play. How do the Bucks fare? Aaron Stenny is the offensive lineman that uh, they're really counting on. Uh, he didn't play much against the Washington football team. But Alex Kappa, you know, not their best offensive lineman, but he's a late pick who's really developed as a good offensive lineman for them. So that's going to be a big loss. When you look at the offensive line, you know, I've said this for a long time. Ryan Jensen, Donovan Smith get paid a lot of money, and they're not living up to their paychecks. Now, Ali Marpet at left guard is a good player. And I think Tristan Worf's that rookie 
at right tackle is a really good player. He's played well. And Camp Jordan had the best of him in the season opener, but he's improved since then. But I think you make a great point. You don't really point to the right guard a lot of times being a key in a football game. But with the Bucks' offensive line struggling and the Saints arguably having the best defensive line in football, that's the matchup that really favors the Saints. And anything injury-wise that's going to hurt that Bucks' offensive line, I think, favors the Saints. So I think that's a huge loss for the Bucks and a huge plus for the Saints. You know, Mike, you mentioned kind of a, a never situation again with these quarterbacks. So how much do you look forward to it? Because this is truly a, a game that could fall into their hands. Both of these teams stop the run. Neither one of them will let you run the football. So the two quarterbacks will probably have to make some plays in this one. Yeah, Todd Bowles has done a, a great job of this Bucks defense. And you mentioned it, John. You know, the, the fact the Bucks are the best defense against the run in the NFL is remarkable because they were so bad before Todd Bowles got there. And this year, they don't have Vita Vea. You know, he went out in that Bucks game, and he was the centerpiece of that defensive line. You know, I, I look at this game, you know, Tom Brady has played well the last month, but let's face it, it's against Detroit, Atlanta, and a Washington football team that you could debate as a playoff team or not in that crazy NFC East. When he faces off against a Bucks defense and he gets pressured that way, I don't care if he's you know considered arguably the best of all time and has all these records and is Tom Brady, he doesn't like pressure. And at 43 years of age, he really doesn't like pressure. And I don't think he's seen this kind of pressure in a month and the Bucks' record is not good against teams with winning records, except the Green Bay Packers, who they beat earlier this year. But I don't know if it's a misnomer with Brady the last month. I know he's played better, but the competition, I think you have to factor that in. How much has that offense gelled here lately? Because, you know, they've, they've kind of had three editions of that offense. You had the first one, uh, the first time the Saints saw him. Uh, the second time the Saints saw him, Antonio Brown was initially getting indoctrinated into the offense. The third time, third time now, Antonio Brown fully into it. Um, we see a game where Cameron Brake shows up big at tight end. You've already got Gronkowski. You've already got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Scott Miller. Um, they look like a really formidable team. How in sync are they right now? I think they're the you know, most comfortable Tom Brady's obviously been all year. And Antonio Brown, you know, you all remember this. When he played against the Bucks last time, he just joined the team. You know, he had to sit out, had that waiting period with COVID yeah. and all the craziness this year. So he was just new to this offense. And obviously, the last couple of weeks, he has a comfort level. And then he lives with Tom Brady here in Tampa. I mean, they, <laughs> they are copacetic. I mean, those two guys are get along, and it's getting more and more comfortable. But I, I really feel that the matchups play well. Again, I mean, Marshawn Lattimore has always fared well against Mike Evans. C.J. Garner-Johnson's fared well in the slot against Chris Godwin, especially, you know, especially this season because he's played more. I am looking forward to possibly C.J. Garner-Johnson and Antonio Brown at some point. I don't know if there's going to be any kind of chatter, but grab your popcorn because that could be fun, guys. There's going to be some chatter. Okay, there is going to be some chatter because he can't help himself. Now, whatever it is he's saying, I don't know. Yeah. He's saying something about people's mamas, about their girls, yeah. whatever it is it's enough to get under anybody's skin because I saw um, a clip where he and Tom Brady exchanged some pleasantries uh, and, and even Tom was like, you know, shut up 22. <laughs> and that's, that's just not 22's character. He ain't gonna shut up. <laughs> I love his teammates though, John, 
all year, you know, we've been asking them, you know, what is this guy saying? What is he doing? Yeah. Nobody's saying anything. And they <laughs> all know exactly what he's saying. And I, and I don't know how Sean Payton really feels about him. You know, he loves him as a player, but you know, he loves the swag, but it can't get in the way it can't be one of those situations where the defense has a big fourth down and then there's a flag in the corner because he's John with Antonio Brown. They got to make sure that doesn't happen. But besides yeah. all of that, I think everybody loves it. I'm not even sure how I didn't think about that, Mike. That is a fantastic point because JD sits next to me on game day. He knows how much I, every second I'm like, look at CJGJ, like, because every set, it's like a game show for me. I'm just like watching what he's doing and who he's talking to. And even Sheldon Rankins earlier in the week, uh, someone asked him to give a G rated uh, version of what CJGJ was saying. And he was like, I can't give you a G rated version of what he's saying because it's literally impossible. And I feel like I would die of secondhand embarrassment if I was on his team but uh you know that's why I'm not on the Saints but Mike if if you know before we let you go we talk a lot about these matchups and where the Saints can take advantage where the Bucks can take advantage is this game simply going to come down to who can play to their potential for the full four quarters yeah it's the playoffs, so it's different and I like what Malcolm Jenkins said yesterday that uh you know it was obviously a blowout when they last played, he doesn't expect that this time around. It was one of those games that quickly got out of control and it was the point of no return. You know, John mentioned it early about, you know, all this, you can't beat a team three times. I love the stats since 1970. This scenario has happened 21 times, but 14 times the team has won three. Only seven times have they, you know, not won that third game. So anybody who says it's hard, the stats don't bear that out. But I do say in terms of all that, I think a lot of this goes out the window when they play. But at the start of the game, I think it's crucial, though. Let's say the Saints get a pick six or a big turnover and something happens. I think that creeps into the Bucks' minds. Here we go again. Here we go again. I think that's only natural. And conversely, if the Bucs get off to a quick start, it's not something the Saints are used to. So I think the way these teams start is very crucial in terms of that mindset about this third meeting. Mike, before we let you go, how can fans or when should fans expect another running errands with Mike Neighbors? Because people are itching. You can find it on the Saints uh, video page. You can find it on the Saints YouTube page. But running errands with Mike Neighbors, when can we expect more content? Well, we just released Garrett Hartley's uh, episode this week, and we just completed season number two. Remarkably, we've done 13 of these now with the New Orleans Saints. And uh, always, I, I do these errands series. We pick up the Saints legends. And we have them run three errands and we have great conversations in between a good chance to get to know them. And this, this year we're pandemic correct with masks, hand sanitizer, everything. We're good. But Garrett Harley has a great story about a fan note that he got after missing a big field goal against the Bucks back in 2009. And I love the way he responded to this fan. So there's a little tease, but we try to get a little inside scoop on these guys because we've heard all the stories about a lot of these guys. We try to get new content for you for these. Little life hack for you, Mike. If you go to Trader Joe's, then you'll have to wait in line. Then you can get more video content out of these players. You're like, oh, I didn't know there was a line. And then you can ask some more questions. I'm going I'm to use that tip. I like that. It's good. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> All right. Well, that was Mike Neighbors coming to you on the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Mike, we appreciate your time. Anytime. I enjoyed it. Joining us now, two special guests who will be performing the national anthem for Sunday's game, Anders Osborne and Stanton Moore. Gentlemen, welcome on the New Orleans Saints podcast. Thank you for having us. 
Thank you. Of course, so excited to have you on. So for listeners who come from all walks of life, we have young, we have old, and obviously your music will appeal to them all. But can you tell us a little bit about each of you and, and maybe a little preview on the, the expectations for Sunday's performance? Sure. You, go. you, you want go me to go? Yeah, man. So I'm Stanton Moore. I am the drummer for the band Galactic and we have toured all over the world for the past 25 years. In 2018, we also, as the band, bought the world-famous Tipitinas. So now I have also played with my good friend Anders Osborne for years. And during this time, I'll let Anders talk about how he was asked to do the national anthem, but he asked me to do it with him. And you know, the only way that we can do it is the way that we can do it. So we came up with a way that, that we felt was us, but still true to the anthem. And, and we really enjoyed putting it together. I always love playing with Anders. He's one of my best friends. I consider him an older brother figure to me. And we've known each other for 30 years and <laughs> done a few records together and are talking about doing more. And that's uh, that's my side of the story. I'm gonna let Anders take over. Sweet, I love you too, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey. uh, yeah, Stanton, definitely one of my very best friends for a long, long time. And it, the friendship just keeps growing. So when I was asked, I'm Anders Osborne and I play singer songwritery and then all the way to pretty heavy rock and roll we'd crank it up. So when I was asked to do it, I thought, okay, what do I do? Uh, maybe something on the slide guitar. And so I was playing around with the idea of, you know, I didn't want to go Jimi Hendrix because that's already been done perfectly, but maybe there's a, a New Orleans kind of swampy thing we could do. And then I thought, well, who better than Stanton and I to maybe come up with something he can create some cool grooves and then I'll play the guitar. And then once that took off, and we practice at my house a little bit right here over there um then we uh, got tipitina's involved which is you know the club that he owns with his other friends and bandmates so we said what if we do it over there and so we brought the crew over there and it was great so we kicked it up a notch and we had a blast and we're big fans yeah <laughs> <laughs> Definitely want to get into that, especially since today is uh, the man's birthday, Drew Brees himself. We have to get into that. But before, um, Anders, you just mentioned wanting to have a swampy feel to the national anthem. And I want to know, as a musician, how you even start that process? Because I think of the word swampy, and I'm not associating it with music. I'm thinking of, you know, obviously Louisiana, New Orleans, all that stuff. How do you mm -hmm. even begin that crossover of taking a word like that and associating it with music? I think when I think of swampy, I think first of all, there's a there's an earthiness to it. Mm. Now, if you make that a musical term, I would say that it's lazy, it's behind the beat, as we call it, which means that you lay it back a little bit. You don't want to rush things. You want to take your time to get to the point. <laughs> so that's kind of and then by using a slide guitar. I mean, I could show real quick. So basically you get into this kind of thing. So it just slides. Mm -hmm. 
And it's just like, oh, wait a minute. Right? So that's kind of what I consider swampy. Now, there are deep traditions of uh, South Louisiana music that is, you know, deeply, and Mississippi music that's deeply entrenched in what we call swampiness. And it changes, but I think that's the idea. It has sort of a laid back thing to it. What do you think, Stan? Yes, definitely. I mean, South Louisiana, Mississippi, <laughs> you know, being the birthplace of the blues and Anders taking that swampiness and the bluesiness that is inherent in South Louisiana and Mississippi music, and which is what he and I have spent our lifetimes playing being artists that interpret those things in our own way so that's that's our home base for us so it's natural for us to try to do what was natural to us for the national national anthem to not be something that is not us to just be us play the national anthem as as we would do it in a very respectful way i hope that everybody understands that we're we're paying respect while being ourselves oh absolutely i mean uh, uh, the national anthem is just it's fantastic and it's really hard to sing right i practice it to sing first when i was asked i go yeah i can sing it so i started i went i don't know i mean <laughs> i can sing some rock and roll in my songs but this is tricky so when i played around with it i was like Oh, can't you? I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to play slide guitar. So I thought it was a, a beautiful way to honor this amazing composition. From a musical standpoint, I mean, it's, it's just wonderful. It's really wonderful. Man, I can't wait for Sunday now. So obviously, you guys said you're such big Saints fans. I have to know, uh, one, who is your favorite player of all time? And do you guys have any Saints game day traditions that you guys typically watch the game, you know, doing on Sundays? Well, you know, one of my favorite players, of course, has to be Drew, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he is going to go down in history as one of the greats. And you know, we're proud of what he's been able to accomplish here in the city. And, you know, happy birthday to Drew and, and you know, congratulations on just a stellar career. And for Sunday, we have Sunday Fun Day and we usually have a, a open house, you know. Mm -hmm. Sundays are very football centric. Uh, for me and for my wife. My wife comes from a football family, so we we just have an open house on Sundays and people come by, they bring food, they you know, we make different beverages and just have a blast. But now it's yeah. you know, we have a pod of maybe like two other people and, and they'll be coming by on Sunday. But we look forward <laughs> to when we can have, you know, our big Sunday fun day open house again. Uh, but right now we're a little bit on the lockdown. We love a woman who loves football. Anders, what about you? Yeah, I love it. Um, well, obviously Drew. Drew is just, I mean, it's, it's a game changer when you get a, an individual uh, that can accomplish so much for not just the team, but the whole region. Like it's, he lifts us all up. 
Uh, Gleason has been inspirational for me for all the work he's done, you know, post. Uh, I try to stay in touch and they've been very friendly, invited me to some games, you know, I've been on the field a few times and it's unreal. It's just unreal. The power down there, it's like, whoa, it's killer. But I also, Marcus, you know, Colston, uh, I thought, you know, the, the Quiet Thunder was just amazing. You know, I loved his, uh, Vilma, I still have the, his jersey that I use sometimes. Um, there's so many. Alvin now, Kamara is phenomenal. Michael Thomas. Uh, but yeah, I like them all. My tradition, the last three seasons, it's really weird. I've had all kinds of traditions. The shirt inside out, you know, the jersey inside out, backwards, you know, all this. The thing that has worked now for wins, and this is not, I'm not making this up. Okay. I have a t-shirt breeze jersey. I hang it backwards with the name is out in my closet. I don't wear it anymore. I hang it so that it covers perfectly all my dress shirts. Okay. And I have to fold it in a very specific way where the, anyway, it's a long story. It's exactly the same way every week. The light must be on in the walk-in closet. And the door can only be 12 inches open, no more or less. And if I do this, <laughs> we actually win. And we have. I have forgotten to do it. I've forgotten to do it. And we lose. This is not a joke. Don't forget today. <laughs> Listen, I need you to set an alarm right now. Yes. Sunday morning so that you remember <laughs> to do all of this elaborate steps that you yes. need to out because at the first step, I was like, oh, this seems kind of, you know, detailed. And then you yeah. kept going and the 12 inches of the door. Just it can't be more because then too much energy comes in. It'll disturb the whole thing. Have you, have you met my OCD friend? <laughs> you should meet my son. He's even worse. And then when I actually watch the game, I've had all kinds of traditions. I have to do these uh, last call when you go back to the last channel and all that stuff. So I have a game, I have red zone, and then I have a really soothing Disney or animated movie. So these are the three that I have to flip. So if I get my blood pressure gets up, I go to the animated Disney thing and I feel really calm again, <laughs> Bambi or something like that. This is true. <laughs> I was going to say, don't tell anyone, but I guess this is going to be public. This is really creepy stuff. I mean, it's like it all has to be a, a form. And then when I watch the game, it can only be, I'm very OCD. It can't be loud enough. So I need to miss most of what the commentators say or I get worked up. Okay. That's how low the volume has to be. This is all true. <laughs> I haven't like cried laughing. I don't think ever on the podcast, but that is Oh my gosh, that's so detailed and that's <laughs> giving me some tips. I mean, I need to start turning on Disney when I go to the game so that I can flip back and forth. I it's don't know if so Bambi would be my choice, especially the first 10 minutes, but you know. I that's true, that's true. A lot of Disney's really sad too. You have to watch it. You gotta uh, be careful. <laughs> Um, well, gentlemen, before we let you go, and obviously this has been a, uh, a great interview with you both and so enlightening on uh, Anders' game day routine, but, um, you know, COVID-19 has impacted all of us. It's impacted musicians. What are some of the things that you guys have been doing to kind of stay afloat, stay relevant, and anything that we can do 
uh, to help local musicians? Stanton, we'll start with you. Well, I've been looking at this time as a sabbatical and a forced sabbatical, but I've been trying to focus on things that are gonna help me in the future, like my drum academy, stantonmoredrumacademy.com. If you ask me, I'll tell you. Yeah. So uh, I, I film and put up drum lessons and it's a you know subscription-based site. So I've been really focused on that and also learning some different programs that are gonna uh, help me with the writing I'm doing and help. I'm trying to help myself build passive income during this time that I will be able to benefit from two, five, ten years down the road. And Tipitina's, we started Tipitina's TV, which are streams of performances and and also the Tipitina's Record Club. So these are all things that we're trying to do during this time to help so that when we actually do get back to playing, we have all that as well. And I'm, I'm just hoping that we can make it through this and avoid financial disaster. But uh, I, I'm cautiously optimistic that we'll get through this and then we'll be better for it in the future. Oz, Anders, how about you? Is there anything that you've been doing on the side, any way that we, our listeners, can help support you? Yeah, sure. Um, so every other Friday, so this Friday, let me see, on the 22nd, I believe, is the next one of January. Um, I do live streams, 6.30 Central Time, and that's on Facebook. You go to my official page. Uh, it's We started it pretty early, three, four weeks into the pandemic. And just like Stanton said, I think the lesson has been to ground yourself, you know, in your life and your family, if you have one, and, and just find, you know, a, a little clearer what I want in life. And then financially, just to pivot from the career I had before is to look at the things that are my strengths and things that I can maybe not, you know, repeat. So I did the live stream and if you dial into it, I play about 90 minutes and it's usually just me, uh, depending on the COVID climate. Every once in a while, I get a friend in, we do, we test and we make sure we're all safe. Nice. We have a little dis social, dis social distancing and then we play together and um, have a great sound system and we just, we make it really, really intimate and fun and we get quite a bit of a crowd and then you can tip us, go to PayPal and Venmo and then we have merch. I've created bootlegs like records. I made some vinyl that I sold just limited editions. And then you sell that. Um, yeah, you just try to pivot from what you do well and then continue it. I think the worst thing that I felt I could do was to sit around and wait for it to open because I think that's what I learned the first month or two is that's no way to operate. Yeah. I think you have to start thinking as far as What's the next five years gonna look like if this was it? And then you get more creative, or I did. So Great. yeah, Definitely. we help each other. We help each other a lot, I think. We reach out to each other, me and Stan, hey, come to my gig, I come to yours, we do yeah. this. And so the community, just like Katrina, I think uh, the music community has helped each other quite a bit. Well, Anders, if you ever need anyone to play the triangle or something, I mean, I'm not very musically talented. We are going to have to rehearse many times, but okay. I feel like the triangle is my avenue if you ever need someone to play the triangle for you. 
I think that's a, that's a, actually a date. See you on Friday. See you on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, well, actually, this is the last question before I let you go. Stanton Anders, I need to know your gut feelings heading into this game on Sunday. How are we feeling? Oh, uh, we're going to win. Heck yeah. I love yeah. it. We're absolutely going to win. I think we're going to win a little stronger than some people think. I, I think it's yeah, it's going to be the usual. We come out strong, slows down, it's even, and then there's about mid-third, end of third, we take off. Take we off. go, screw oh. this, time to go home. And they start playing like crazy good. Well, only if you crack your door open 12 inches. So again, yeah, no more. That, that is the only thing that you need to work on. <laughs> on Sunday, and and the light has to be on. Yes, that too. It was off one time. It was off one time and I saw it and I was screaming and everybody's like, what the hell's wrong with dad? I'm like, somebody turn the light off. <laughs> We need to make a list. We need to make a list. Yeah. Well, Stan and Anders, we appreciate your time. Looking forward so much to Sunday's performance uh, for the Swampy National Anthem performance. Looking forward to it so much, and thanks for your time. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so thanks for having us. Man, that was an elaborate game day tradition. If you have anything like that, if you do anything like that, please tweet it to the at SaintsPod Twitter account. I need to know what's going on out there in the Saints Nation. All right, Saints fans, before we let you go on this Friday edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast, we have a giveaway for you. You have the opportunity to win a jersey and a football autographed by none other than the birthday man himself, Drew Brees. Yes, that is right. A jersey and a football autographed by Drew Brees. All you have to do is go to neworleansaints.com backslash win. All of the information is right there for you. It is as easy as putting in your first name, your last name, your email, your zip code, and that's about it. That's all you need to do to enter. I don't know if there's anything easier to do in the world to get an autographed Drew Brees jersey and football. So make sure you go to neworleansaints.com backslash win. All right, Saints fans, it is time. We are gearing up for this divisional round game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Don't forget to tune in to Dome at Home Live an hour before kickoff, and then we'll see you at game time. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, New Orleans Saints, 5.40 p.m. Central. You can watch the game on Fox. You can listen on WWL Radio. No matter what, be sure you're tuned in for this history going down on Sunday. All right, for Caroline Gonzalez, John Shazer, Mike Neighbors, Anders Osborne, and Stanton Moore.